We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster and I have with me today a guy that knows Marquette basketball as well as anybody knows Marquette basketball. He's a legend in the program, Jarrell McNeil. Jarrell, what's going on, man? It's good to have you here. Absolutely, Rob, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, Obviously got a big matchup coming up here on Saturday. Uh, It should be a fun one. Yeah, I'm glad that we can uh, we can be cordial today. Saturday, nah, we're gonna be Saturday. <laughs> Sunday will be good yep. again. Sunday will be good again. Um, so let's let's start with this, Tyler Kolek. If you look at that two game losing streak that when that that Marquette had, where I mean he was let's call it what it is horrible for two games. He's turned around since then. He's averaging like 21 points, 9.7 assists, shooting something like 53 percent from the floor, about 44 percent from three. Uh, he's turned into basically Chris Paul for the last month of the season. <laughs> what changed? What happened? How has he gotten this good? Uh, to be honest, I don't think a, a whole lot has changed. Uh, Ty had a little bit of he had a little bit of a struggle there for uh, for a couple of games. Just you know, number one with his shooting, and uh, I'll say uh, a couple of those teams that he played against, they did a pretty good job of game playing against him. He uh, he probably turned it over a little bit too much as well too. Uh, and, and to be honest, that was probably our stretch, our worst stretch of the season this year. So uh, I think more than anything, he stayed honest and true to who uh, to who he is. Uh, he's continued to shoot the ball with confidence, uh, man. And he's just been carving up defenses left and right here. He's uh, he's been prepared and ready to take on, you know, whatever game plan or, or the opposition comes up with to try to slow them down offensively, man. And, uh, you know, the more impressive thing than anything, Rob, is just that, man, he's been absolutely great and clutch down the stretch of all these games uh the game versus St. John's man he was awesome in the second half and just down the stretch and pretty much closed that game out and uh even Butler here as well man he's uh he has some some big time dagger threes man and he's just playing with an all-time confidence right now man so it's been great to see uh it seems like he's kind of got it going and got got it clicking on all cylinders at the right time and uh it'll be fun to see how these guys are able to finish up here down the stretch the thing I love about watching him play is 
the way that he can kind of he he's like two steps ahead of everything that's going to happen and he kind of you know he comes off of the screen and he like he realizes that this dude is going to help and if i get to this spot i'll be able to make this pass and he's playing uh what was the phrase people love it's chess not checkers right he's like yep. two steps ahead of everybody <laughs> else in terms of the decision that he's going to make and that like you can't teach that stuff you know what i mean like you can't you can't teach what he's able to do and it's been a lot of fun to watch him go into that you know what fuck this i'm putting the team on my back and we're gonna go win this game like i will carry these guys to the win if i have to in these certain stretches yeah absolutely and like you said it's that's spot on rob he's uh tk is playing chess and uh you know the rest of the teams out here right now just playing checkers man he's always a couple moves ahead uh but just his basketball iq and uh in his basketball savvy i'll even say man he's a guy who doesn't beat you uh, with the extreme athleticism, uh, he beats you with his his skill set, uh, understanding the game, understanding defenses, understanding rotations, and knowing what things are gonna uh, gonna kind of come for and how, and how people are trying to play him. Uh, and he's already got a he he already has a plan for it coming into it. So essentially, you know, you make a move, you want to try to do this, you want to try to go under on his ball screen. He has an answer for that. You know, what I mean, you want to try to be aggressive and play and drop coverage and how the guards chase over the top. They got answers for that, man. They just he's he's got he's got all the answers right now to the test, man. And it's just about for him. It's just been about uh, identifying. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a it's a it's a miss and make game. So, uh, you know, obviously, when he makes shots, things are always going to flow a little bit easier for him, man. But just to see him, uh, I think I think that's one of the coolest things about it. You know, we see guys sometimes dominate the game with their uh their their great athleticism and uh you know tk is a guy that shit, he, he doesn't look like he can jump over a phone book man but you just <laughs> see him constantly getting those angles uh get finding a way to get back to to that left hand and using his fakes and his pivots and those type of things man to give yourself opportunities and but more impressively just get opportunities and easy shots for it and create uh really good possessions for his teammates as well I uh I was I was telling someone the other day that I think at the Big East tournament we need to scrap any kind of like halftime show. I don't know if they have uh you know any of those like the quick change person coming in or the uh um, red panda. Yeah, a red panda coming in. We need to scrap that. <laughs> we just gotta have a dunk contest between Cam Spencer and Tyler Kolick. Cause I don't know, I don't think either of those two guys uh, oh my can God. dunk at this point. So somebody's gonna get themselves hurt. We'll, we'll uh, so, lower the basket yeah. to eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, <laughs> take take that thing down a couple inches. Um, do you think he's an NBA player? I, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and I think if you look at someone like a Monte Morris and the success that he's had at the NBA level, someone like you know, I don't think he's quite as good as Jalen Brunson, but look at what Jalen Brunson is doing in the league. You look at what someone like a Peyton Pritchard is doing in the league. You look at TJ McConnell and how long he's been able to hang around. If you got point guards out there that just know how to operate pick and rolls, that understand that they're like a second or third option that are going to go out there and not make mistakes, not turn the ball over, make shots. Like To me, he's a guy, I don't know if you take him in the first round, but he's a guy that you you take some point in like the 30 to 40 range and get him in your, your, your organization, get him on a contract and let him be that guy that will run your second team. Yeah, and I'm and I think he has a uh, I think he has an absolute shot. And like you said, it probably it may not be uh, a sure shot first round guy, uh, obviously. But he's he's a guy where you know what he is. Um, you know, scouts, NBA teams have had a a really large sample size of him not just playing at a high level, but mm-hmm. you know he has a position. He feels a specific need. 
Uh, you put a guy like that, what, what he's doing right now, if you put him in the NBA spacing with NBA athletes, uh, it'll get better. Like, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going to get worse. It's, it's going to get better, at least offensively. Uh, obviously, the biggest key with uh, with TK is just going to be, and this is for a lot of guys, is if he's going to be able to guard and defend his position. Um, that's going to be his, his biggest hold back there, and it's just going to go uh, in terms of just, you know, his size not being the biggest guy, not being the most athletic guy. Is he going to be able to hold up night in, night out? And, uh, and, and, you know, not be a liability on the defensive end and battle and fight guys. But like you said, it's a, it's a handful of guys in the league, man, where you get those examples. I was even thinking a little bit about um, the kid from Golden State. I was watching him last night. Uh, and I don't know, I think uh, TK might be a little bit smaller than uh, Brandon. Uh, what is it? Podzinski? Podzinski, yeah. The they call yeah, him AirPods. Yeah, I don't want to ruin his last name, but uh, just, uh, you know, that kind of player, it just, that's the type of stuff. I see that type of stuff, and it's just cerebral kid, has a really good feel for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, playing alongside Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and those type of guys really helps. Uh, but, you know, he just understands the game at a high level, and he's easy to play with. He's a ball mover. He's not a ball stopper. He doesn't need the ball in his hands consistently to be really good. Uh, that'll be key for TK as well, too. If, if he's able to kind of mesh into one of these teams and play alongside some other really good guards, because the, the reality is you're not in the NBA, you're not going to have the ball in your hands as much as he had, mm-hmm. as he had at that Marquette. So, but uh, I think it'll open up a different facet of his game. It'll give him an opportunity to do some more catch and shoot stuff. Uh, I still think he's a better shooter probably than he gets credit for. A lot of people don't really kind of underestimate that, man. Uh, when you have the ball in your hands constantly as a point guard, a lot of those threes that he's making or taking is off are off the bounce, you know, uh, which in my opinion is the most difficult three-point shot in the game to make is, you know, trying to stop behind a screen at the point of a screen with two guys or three guys around you and pull up and make shots consistently. Uh, if you get them alongside another great player, you get an opportunity to stretch out and probably get some easier catch-and-shoot threes, which I think he'll make at a pretty high clip. So uh, I think there are, there are a ton of examples, but it's definitely going to be defensive side. That's going to kind of make a break, TK, man. It's going, But I think he has a shot, man. I think he could be a good NBA player and, uh, you know, come in and run somebody's second unit and get some guys some easy looks and, you know, be that master that he is on, uh, uh, on the offensive end. Yeah, it's a lot of fun watching him work with Oso. And I think that that is the uh, probably the the one of the most dangerous one-two punches that you're going to find, not just in the Big East, in, in college basketball period. They had this set at the end of the Butler game. I don't know if you saw this. Um, with the back minute, screen? Yeah, with like a minute, 15 seconds left, they they ran this set. They were up by three where uh, the, ended, the, the action that got the shot was um, – Stevie Mitchell and Tyler Kolick exchanged, and he ran off a of DHO with uh, with Oso. Um, the guy that was guarding him went under the screens, so he just they tossed it back to him, and he knocked down a three to put him up six. And on the next possession, they ran the exact same a- action, but after exchanging with Stevie Mitchell, Tyler went and set a ball screen, a 5-1 ball screen on <laughs> Oswigadar, who went in and got the and one that was the dagger. And it's just like one. Uh, props to Shaka for being creative enough to to come up with that because that was like that was really cool to watch in real time. And two, there how many there's not many teams in college basketball that can do that. I don't know if there's another center in college basketball that can do that, and that's what makes Oso such a difficult matchup. Um, so let me ask you this: How do you see that matchup playing? Because I think the key to this game, all right, and and 
we probably should have said this at the top, but the reason I'm having you on, Marquette, UConn, 3 p.m., <laughs> Fox, Saturday afternoon, Sorry. number one against number four, Big East championships on the line. Um, I think the key to this entire game is going to be how uh, how those two coaches figure out the battle between the five men because they are they, they could not be more uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you yeah, see that playing yeah. out? What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here from the Field of 68, and I need to tell you about a partnership that we just signed with Autograph, a fandom company co-founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. Brady in the gun. Touchdown, yeah. Patriots! I can't deal with my clogged Twitter feed anymore. Every single tweet gets three responses from some Twitter bot promoting gambling picks. I just want to read the articles, man. I just want to read stories. I just want to listen to my favorite podcasts. I just want to consume the content that breaks down my favorite college basketball team. And I want to do it all in one place. Now I can with the new autograph rewarding fandom app. That place exists. And here's the best part about it. The more content you consume about your favorite team and the more reward points that I rack up, the better my chances are going to be to score one-of-a-kind fan merch, discounted tickets to games, or other awesome items and experiences on the autograph app so go download it use that referral code f68 that's f68 and get access today hey if you do maybe i'll get my buddy tom to send you a thank you we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you spot on with that. I think that's going to be the key to the game. And, uh, to be honest with you, uh, and I, and I was just going back last night, looking at the three games that they played last year. Uh, and that was a huge part of it. Uh, also is so he's such a unicorn in terms of being unlike any other legit five men in the country, because he's not a guy that's just like, Oh, he's undersized. He's six, seven, trying to play the five so he can do some other things. No, he's like six, six, 11. six, 10, six, 11. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he can really move, man. He, he he has great athleticism, really good lateral movements. He's quick off his feet uh, with the second jumps and everything like that. And he's long, but the biggest thing is that he's skilled. Um, he, and it's become a kind of a mainstay in their offense now. And I love to watch him play too, because it's so free flowing, but uh, a lot of people kind of forget about just the value of having a big guy that can make plays not only off the, uh, with the pass, but off the dribble is too. So that's going to be for me, the key point uh, of that matchup. I think obviously Shaka just watching the way that they played against them last, the last, uh, last year as well too. 
um, that's going to be their, uh, the spot where they try to expose them. I think that's where Marquette advantage is. And uh, obviously, UConn's a good team and clean game. Uh, is one of the best rim protectors and probably, you know what I mean, for sure in the Big East, the best rim protector in the Big East. So, uh, but one of the things that that's going to be kind of like the battle of wheels is that uh, I think we all know that uh, Point Oso is going to get activated. And if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm Shaka, I'm going to run it early and often, uh, you know, having him even initiate offense a lot of the time. They do a lot of the stuff uh out of the zoom action where he's playing with the ball at the top of the key and running other guys into uh, DHOs or you know handing it off getting a quick ball screen and slipping out of there and all that type of stuff and he also does a ton of popping usually not to shoot threes but to get into multiple actions so that's going to be a key it's the short uh, roll stuff it's the short roll stuff that I'm the most worried about like when you come off that when you got Kolek or Cam Jones or or even like Joplin or these other guys coming off of these uh, DHOs. It's functionally the same as a ball screen, right? If you're yep. playing, you got to make a decision. Am I going to guard this design. drop? Yeah. Yep. Is it when Samson's in, they'll, they'll hedge it and they'll try to blow it up. But um, it's when he's in the drop and you got him coming off of those DHOs or those ball screens. And then also is short rolling, which for, you know, for, for people listening is basically means you don't roll all the way to the rim, but you don't pop. You kind of go to about like 12 feet away. And he's so good at that little like push shot. Right. Um, yep. If I'm UConn, what I'm doing to try to negate that is making sure that the, whoever's coming off of those screens or those DHOs isn't getting all the way to the rim. And if I lose because Oso Iguodaro goes 10 for 10 on 12-foot push shots, then that's what <laughs> I live with. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's yep. the shot that you kind of have to – because you got to give something up. You're not going to no, be able to take is. everything away. It is. And it's what – and it's essentially in terms of – and a lot of people uh, – and I'll try to kind of explain it a little bit too, a lot of people, because I know you hear that term so often it's become – a lot more popular over the last couple mm-hmm. of years is just uh, the drop coverage. Uh, when you have a really good rim protector or a big guy who may not be able to jump out and be aggressive on ball screens, but they're really good at protecting the paint, rebounding, and deterring uh, guys from getting all the way to the basket. So they, they use a lot more of this drop coverage. But I tell guys this all the time, like drop coverage is essentially – uh, a counter for what I would say is a kind of like analytics basketball. And Marquette mm-hmm. is actually – funny enough one of those teams like uh and and i'll say this when i was in i played for the the rockish g league team the rgv vipers many moons ago and this is like right after daryl Morey got the job so he was kind of like one of the one of the guys at the forefront of this uh they consider the worst shot in basketball the, the long mid-range too so they essentially mm-hmm. tried to take it out of basketball offensively uh instead of taking long mid-range twos either shoot a three or get all the way to the rim or take a shot in the paint or try to get to the foul line. And uh, Marquette has kind of bought in, bought in on that. We don't have a ton of guys that shoot those mid-range shots. To be honest with you, that little push in between shot also is really the only ones that, that, that takes it and makes it consistently at all. The rest of the guys are either usually threes or they're trying to get all the way to the rim uh, to get a foul. They try to get a, a, a quick layup. Uh, that's you the know, Nevada Smith factor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just getting I was just getting there too. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think that's gonna be a big part of it, but it essentially kind of plays into what UConn wants them to do. I'm not sure they'll be able to beat them, but I I will say this, Rob. Oso is gonna have to be aggressive in those spots. He's gonna have to shoot them and he's gonna have to take and make some. But number two, um, the next part of that is just kind of um the multiple actions. I think that's where they mm-hmm. kind of, they make UConn struggle at is that, you know, they're in drop. You can hit 
also in that short row, and he may not shoot it and take that push shot right away. He might just go into another DHO with another guy on the opposite wing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and just running those multiple actions. It seemed to me uh, that that was kind of what UConn struggled to guard uh, last year, at least. That in the in the ton of the pistol action with the guards playing off of each other, you know, that really gave them some issues in the Big East tournament last year because they had issues just communicating and switching, and they do a lot of ghost screens where they act like they're gonna set it, they might slip, they might flare out, and we got guys that can shoot it from deep, so uh, it gave UConn issues. Yeah, there there was a uh, if I remember correctly, the, the especially the game in um, in the Garden. Yep. Uh, they went small, right? And they just and, and UConn couldn't figure out what to do with Job. And he had like four or five wide open threes in the first yeah. half. And that's what got them that big lead. Absolutely. They put they put Jop and kind of like a lineup with Jop and uh Omax at the time, who's gone yep. now, but they were in together. Uh and you know, they they kind of played some funky stuff defensively, trying to guard yep. Klingan and Sonogo, but you know. For the most part, Marquette doubles the post anyway. If it's a guy that's going to be like a real issue and they don't want to leave somebody one-on-one, they're going to go on the bounce usually anyway. So yeah. uh, it kind of played into their hands because it gave them mo- more shooters. And then we were just, you know, just really trying to stretch those guys out, uh, make them come out and start to guard the three-point line. Because, you know, basketball is a funny game. Once you make a couple of them, even though it doesn't seem like, you know, uh, in terms of us watching, that it's going to win or lose the game. But as a basketball player, you give up two threes in a row, you're like, oh, shit, I got – I got probably mm-hmm. I probably need to get out there and close out <laughs> it's got a little bit harder for you. For well, you that's what it, it, it's oh, yeah. the threat, man. Like I, I yeah, explain this to people all the time. Yeah. It's not about he's not about making the threes, right? And oh. I, but it, it does. Like it helps with obviously you get three points if it goes in. It helps if it goes in. It's about the threat of the three pulling somebody away from the basket so that you can get coming off that screen. There's a guy in the corner. You got a lane to the rim. So that when you throw the ball into the post, you got to make a decision. Do we double? Do we not? Do we help? Who tags the rollers and ball screens? Like the threat of the three is what creates the gravity that pulls people away from the basket. And that's what creates all the space for people to do stuff. Um, It's interesting you say double in the post. I'll be very curious to see what UConn decides to do offensively. Um, Against Butler, against Xavier, they very specifically tried to go to Donovan Klingon early and often to establish him and let him go try to make something happen. Um, I don't know. Like his thing is he is, he can score in a post against smaller guys, but his center of gravity is so high and he's such like a skinny dude that establishing position is not the easiest thing for him to do. That's not his strength. Like what he's, what he's great at is setting that screen, rolling to the rim and throwing it up to the top of the square and him going and getting it right. That's what he does. Great. What he does even better than that is being the guy that just doesn't let you get a shot off. You know, I, I, I did a breakdown the other day of, of what makes him so good and drop. And it's because uh, he doesn't get a lot of blocks, but that's because teams go in the lane. They don't even shoot it, right? It's yeah. the, it takes yeah, away their decision to shoot. And so he'll, they'll, someone will dribble under the basket. They'll come on the other side. They'll, they'll commit a turnover. And that's Klingon doing that. He doesn't, that doesn't show up in the box. Um, so I'll be very curious to see how they do that. If I'm, if I'm Shaka, the first thing that I'm doing, like the first three minutes of the game is I'm running actions to try to get um, Oso diving to the rim at Klingon to try to get him in foul trouble. Cause that has been, the biggest knock on him the last three weeks since he got back healthy. He got in foul trouble against St. John's, got in foul trouble against Providence. He got in foul trouble last night against DePaul. You know, like it's just, if you can get him out of the game, that changes everything. Samson Johnson's good, but he ain't Donovan Klingon. 
No, absolutely. I I asked you this, Rob. This is just something I was thinking about as I was going through all of this stuff last night. Um, just just from an adjustment standpoint, the way I kind of look at it is that you know most really good coaches always have you know a, a handful of adjustments up their sleeve, or, or the game will cause them to have to adjust one way or another, offensively or defensively. But uh, it's oddly enough, as good as Klingan is, I think. UConn, especially with them getting that experience of not having him this year, mm-hmm. that may be one of their adjustments. Uh, if they if they have issues guarding Oso and uh, you know some some of those guys start floating around a little too much, getting too easy, too many easy looks from uh from deep, and they get hot. Uh, sitting clean and might be one of the adjustments and kind of going a little bit of with a uh, with a little bit of a smaller lineup that could move better, but uh. Yeah, um, I think it, they should. Like honestly, they should. They, they should. Samson should get. Samson Johnson should get. Yeah, he should play a lot. Probably fourteen to sixteen minutes yeah. on Saturday. Um, Klingon should get about twenty-four. And what I want, and I don't know if they'll do this, I would love to see them roll out the lineup where they put Alex Caravan at the five and just try to go full small ball for a little bit and see what happens when you pull Oso all the way from the rim. And just you got your four guards out there, you got your shooters out there, you pace in space. You kind of do to Marquette what Marquette does well, to everybody. Does the other, uh, I like it, Rob. I like it. You see, you go go a little bit of uh, a Tyloo small ball. Mm-hmm. Tyloo loves to go small, even though he has big zoo box and some other guys over there. So, man, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure. And I, I, I was going to say that they did that. I'll be I'll be looking for that. The smaller lineup from UConn. And uh, one of the odd things, and this is why I don't know if it worked, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I saw it last year in the Garden when they played. And I don't know if it's just because they kind of ran out of answers, man. They went zone. They went zone mm-hmm. against Marquette a little bit to try to slow them down. And Marquette is going to do that against UConn anyway, uh, just to protect some of those guys like Oso from getting in foul trouble and having to battle with Klingon all game long. He's going to switch defenses. He's going to throw some full court zone stuff at him. It won't be anything that's overly aggressive. It'll be more than anything just to give him a different look, change the rhythm of the game, and maybe try to steal a turnover here and there. But I'll be interested to see if uh, if UConn uses that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I'm I'm fascinated to see the coaching matchup here. Fascinated to see like the uh, the chess moves that that both of these guys make. You know, I was having a I was talking with, with Fanta about this, and I feel like there's a little bit of a kind of like a bu- bubbling rivalry here between these two programs for a lot of reasons. Um, I think when you talk about the two most intense coaches in the Big East, to me, it's probably Hurley and, and Shock. Both these guys are very into building culture, building a team identity, building that like togetherness, that kind of us against the world mentality. And both of them are very, very good at it. Uh, I think when you look at a guy like Tyler Kolick, that dude loves to play the heel, right? Like he's he's just him, right? He's he's yeah. Tyler Kolick, and and you see it plenty. It's the the picture on Instagram of him holding the trophies and flipping yeah. off the camera before <laughs> the season. It was uh, it was last year at Big East Media Day when uh, someone asked him what he feels about being picked ninth, and he's like, "Fuck him," right? Yeah. Um, I can't. I don't want to say what was told to us off the record after they won the uh the big east tournament last year we were able to talk to him in the garden but like safe to say <laughs> i i am a enormous fan of tyler cole i can just yeah, love, I love the way him. that he's wired but <laughs> when you got guys that are wired that way and you're going up against another team that's going to be in your way when it comes to winning championships you're not going to like them 
And there's going to be a level of dislike there. And I think that UConn kind of feels the same way about Tyler. Like if you're a team player, Tyler Kolek, you got to hate him. He's got to be the most annoying dude on the planet. So uh, I'm kind of into this whole um, UConn Marquette rivalry. Like if this could be a thing for the next five years, or both these teams are final four contenders that don't like each other. And every time they play, it means so much. I'm here for it, man. This is what I love about college basketball. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. No, it's, it, it's awesome. And uh, it's obviously led, like you said, by the head coaches. Uh, I love both head coaches. I think they're two of the best in the country, obviously. Uh, but th- the thing that I love about them more, they're intense. You know, they fight. Uh, they're over there. They're into the game. They're yelling. They're jumping around over there. And it seems like all their guys love to play for them. And uh, for me, that just makes the games uh, a little bit more intense uh, for mm-hmm. the guys on the court and for the fans just to see that, you know, these guys really do care. They're not just statues over there. They're really into the games as well, too. But uh, like you said, just spot on with that. I think it's a little bit of a robbery brewing because let's, let's, let's just keep it in the back of our minds. I know at least me personally, the way I feel is that let's look at it. Last year, uh, as good as UConn was, the way they rolled through that NCAA tournament to the national title and uh, every day since the day to, since the game that we lost to Michigan State, I was just watching them going, man, we beat these guys two out of three times. Mm-hmm. We beat them two out of three times. And uh, I think you better believe with the holdover guys that they got on that team, they haven't forgotten either. I know for sure Hurley hasn't forgot it, so I'm sure he's looking and trying to get some <laughs> get back here. Uh, it'll be fun to see. And what what better way to end it? Because it seems like the, just with the hot streak that UConn is on, whether they uh 12 and 1 in the Big East, yeah, they and, won uh, 12 in a row, and Marquette yeah. has now won, I believe, eight in a row. And eight, I think yep, this is um, – the UConn's got the longest winning streak, and Marquette's got, like, a, the the third longest winning streak in all of college basketball right now. Yeah, and so it comes – and it essentially comes down to, for the most part, Marquette being the only team that has an outside chance even catching them for a conference mm-hmm. championship and making this thing interesting. So how cool is it that we get this matchup 
at least two, you know, two more two games. Uh, I want it four more Saturday. times. Look, I want I'll it take four it times, Jarrell. Give me how great would that be? In the span no, it's gonna of be two awesome. months. In the span of two months, if we get Marquette, UConn four more times, uh, I don't think anybody will complain. Yeah, I, I want to see it in Madison Square Garden Saturday oh, night, sure. six thirty. I want to see it in Arizona uh, at some point, whether that's a semifinal, a national semifinal, or the national yep. title game. I want it there. Um, and maybe that's just my Big East bias showing, but uh, I just I, I love these matchups. I love the dynamics. I love the the rivalry that's brewing. You remember when it was Duke and Maryland, and it was what was that two thousand and one when they yep. played four times, and it was for yep. like the ACC title, then the ACC tournament, and then they played in the Final Four again. I'm about to say Give that's that. Maryland, is that the year Maryland won it right with uh yeah. with Juan Dixon and those guys? Yeah, I maybe that was two thousand two. Yeah, it was two thousand two. Yeah, somewhere right around that time, Gary Williams was the coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Hey, look, that was a hell of a team. Hey, look, some intense battles, boy. That was yes. intense battles. ACC, every time that they met those guys, it was going to be a hell of a game. So, yeah, yeah, that was always fun to watch, man. College basketball needs those type of games. Yes, give me give me that. Give me all that. Um, Just to kind of put this into context, uh, I, I explained this um, the other day on After Dark, but um, if UConn wins this game and you look at what their schedule is down the stretch, right, there'll be three games in first place, with five games left, but they still have to play at Creighton, at Marquette, at Providence, and they get Villanova and Seton Hall at home. Um, that is a brutal run-in. They're probably going to lose, I would guess, two of them, right, is probably my guess. Lose two games throughout the rest of the year. You win this one, you got three-game lead, five-game left. You're probably feeling pretty good about one of the Big East regular season championship. You don't, you got to go to Marquette where Marquette basically controls their own destiny. If Marquette wins out, yep. they want to share the Big East regular season title at minimum. So that's part of it. Whoever wins the Big East regular season title is going to get the first seed, number one seed in the Big East tournament. You get yep. the number one seed in the Big East tournament, that means in all likelihood you don't have to play Creighton or Marquette until the title game and set it in the semifinals. So that's big as well. Yep. And if you can win the Big East regular season title and the Big East tournament, I know that explicitly the NCAA says we don't factor in regular season conference championships, tournament, whatever. Mm-hmm. No. At the end of the day, there's 10 people in that room that are making a decision when they fill out those brackets. You want to have a better seed. It looks better if you might have won a couple things uh, at Absolutely. some point during the season. So uh, there is a lot riding on this game. And I could not be – I think uh, – Jarrell, I told this to someone the other day. Um, I think outside of like the first game of the season when it was, we went to see Arizona at Duke and then two Mm -hmm. days later we were at the champions classic, right? Outside of like the start of the year, this is the most excited I've been for a game probably since last year's final four. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. I was about to say the only thing that I can even think of that's kind of remotely close where I was just like, damn, I gotta, I'm going to just sit on the couch and watch some basketball, uh, was Maui. Uh-huh. Uh, Maui was pretty good. They had a couple really, really good high level games there. But outside of that, yeah, this this is definitely bar none probably the game that I'm I've been most excited for. And uh, I don't know who did the scheduling, but got it. It worked out great, man. Just to line it up. Uh, the first weekend after the games. Super Bowl, we got Creighton, yeah. uh, we got UConn, Marquette. Yeah, it's it's perfect because we are in full swing and uh, March Madness is approaching quickly, man. So it should be a fun game. Another crazy thing that I was thinking about um, just a crazy stat that I thought about last night. This game is going to be – is going to have three three different players on it from UConn and Marquette. Two from UConn, one from Marquette of guys who have 
a realistic shot of this season finishing the year in a 50-40-90 club. Mm -hmm. Kolick, who's 50%, 87 from the line, 41 from three. Spencer, 48%, 90 from the line, 45 from three. Caravan, 53, 87% from the line, 40 from the three. Mm-hmm. That's it, like that's high level basketball. Like, and I'm not sure if any if that means anything to anybody, but that's kind of like the trifecta in basketball. Look, if you got those, that means you're an elite shooter. You elite. are elite, elite to shoot fifty percent from the field, forty percent from the three, ninety percent from the line. You are in rarefied, uh, rarefied air, and uh, it'll be a fun game just to see. That should be high level game, really good offenses, great coaching. Uh, we should get everything all in one. All right, give me. Um... I want two predictions that we can get out of here. Who's going to be the best player? Like who's going to be the difference maker and who's going to win this game? Ooh, I'll say, I'll say the difference maker and I'm going to go. Cause the easy thing would just to be, go, to be able to go colic, but I'm going to go. Oso. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Oso cause I truly believe that Oso has to be aggressive. Uh, I want to see him being aggressive with the ball in his hands, pushing into that clean game every chance that he gets. So I think the I think if they play if they play through him and he plays well and he's aggressive and he gets it going, uh, he'll kind of be the X factor for the game. And uh, what was the second one? What was my second? Who wins? Rob, who wins? Give me a winner, Marquette. Oh yeah, that's easy. I'm going Marquette, Rob. You know I'm going. <laughs> you know I got to go with the home team. Let's go carve out a carve out a road win, fellas. Um, so I'm going to say that the the guy that UConn needs to play well to win is going to be Steph Castle because I think that he's a kind of athlete that Marquette just doesn't have on their wings. I mean, at 6'6", 220 or whatever he is and, and kind of how strong and athletic he is, um, he's the guy that's the matchup problem. He's the guy, I think, that can completely take away a Cam Jones or a David Joplin or whoever they put him on. Um, so if he can do that defensively and then also be a guy that can get to the basket and get some fouls and maybe score 15 points and create some assists, um, as UConn's made this run in Big East play, it's been Castle who's really kind of stepped forward. And you know, I gotta yes. go with you, you know, I'm going with UConn with this thing, man. It, yep. It's at home in Hartford, yeah. You, I, I, I gotta. Got to back my guys in this spot. Yeah, I don't think we needed to even do the picks. I think we kind of both knew what we were, uh, what we were aligned coming into true. the drop. True, true. <laughs> Listen, Jarrell, this has been fun, man. I'm really looking forward to the game. Um, you know, I'm going to be talking shit to you over text. So uh, I will see you Saturday at three o'clock, man. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Always. Thanks again, Rob. I'll see you Saturday.